I appreciate that. I do be praying for Roger. He was admitted. Blood pressure there was just uh, very low, and, and uh, sodium level was low, and dehydration and things like that. And remember, he, he's just coming off that surgery, a small heart attack, and uh, so he certainly could use our prayers. But he was admitted um, into Providence. I did not get a room number yet. He was not in one yet. Did, Stephanie, do you know if he got a room number yet? Not yet. We'll get that out, though, in a prayer chain that when we do know what room he is in. So if you want to go by and visit with him, you can. All right. In the book of Ecclesiastes tonight, chapter 4. It is good to have a first-time visitor with us tonight. And Danielle's sister, we're glad you're here. Appreciate you coming. I do appreciate also the good turnout for the homiletics class. I think there's 17. And with what we've just covered the last two weeks, I think you'll enjoy these couple of verses and trying to figure out, after we read them, the idea of this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. Better is a poor and a wise child than an old and foolish king who will no more be admonished. For out of prison he cometh to reign, whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. I considered all the living which walk under the sun with the second child that shall stand up in his stead. There is no end of all the people, even of all that have been before them. They also that come after thee shall not rejoice in him. Surely this also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. Lord, we do thank you for your word. and. Lord, I ask your blessing upon the service tonight. I pray you would use it to strengthen us and to draw us closer to you. And I pray, Lord, again, control what I say and how I say it. Uh, and use this uh, to be a help. Lord, I do pray if there's anyone here who has never been converted, I pray for that conviction, that drawing, that perhaps even this evening they've repented and placed their faith in Christ. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Of course, the book of Ecclesiastes, we went through a couple of years ago, about three years ago, we covered this book. And it deals written, written, of course, by Solomon, the wisest man apart from the Lord Jesus Christ to ever live. And it's written, in, it's written at a time of his old age. He was a man, the Bible describes, who in his younger years loved the Lord. He loved God. But then, as we see, his heart got turned. Um, it says, uh, just a few chapters after that, that he loved many strange women. And he departed from his walk with God. And now this is him in his old age looking back on his life and him realizing all the vanity of his reckless decisions and trying to live this life apart from God. How life is all about God. Some key words in the book, of course, are life under the sun. That's him trying to find meaning in life as if there is no God. Life under the sun. And its conclusion, every time it's simply vanity that life is all about God. And we come to a really challenging section here in chapter 4. But boy, is it important. Um, the chapter itself has already covered sort of three areas that are in it. And you have to understand those areas, I think, to grasp what Solomon is finishing up with here. The first part of the chapter dealt with a concern Solomon had as he watched his own culture, as he watched society. He was seeing the destruction that oppressiveness can cause, that those who are oppressive and what oppression does to, to a culture. 
He, he saw the dangers of envy, the dangers of idleness. And then he dealt with the opposite of idleness. The danger of the busy man who finds himself all alone because of greed and selfishness. And then that's when Solomon makes the case for why two are better than one. Now these last verses. It is certainly a section that when you read these verses, you quickly realize, I need to read that again because I don't know what I just read. It's one of those verses that you actually have to read over and over to begin to grasp. And there are several different viewpoints as to what Solomon was driving at here. I'll mention a couple of them, but then we'll look at, look at the one that I think fits with the chapter and with the book. Many believe that Solomon is simply dealing with the comparison between Jeroboam and Rehoboam. As you know, he was well aware that Jeroboam would split the kingdom. The foolishness of his son Rehoboam would come, into pass, would come to pass. And he knew all that was getting ready to take place. And Solomon really in 1 Kings chapter 11 even seeking, to, even seeking to kill him. Some think that the old king is represented by Solomon and the king coming out of prison is Jeroboam. And Rehoboam is the second one who was replaced. But that really doesn't quite fit. Um... Let me give the thought of lines that I tend to agree with as to what we're seeing take place by these few verses that, that can be fairly complex. I believe he's dealing with the king who has abused his authority, who has become oppressive an oppressive ruler, who is stubborn, refused to listen, yet he had a son who was wise in conduct and provided hope for the people when he would take over his father's rule. The father, seeing how popular his son is, gets jealous, putting his son in prison. In the interim, the old king is either dies or he's removed somehow. And the son is brought out of prison and placed on the throne. Then as you get into verse 14 and 15 and 16, excuse me, the multitudes of the people flocking to him begin to walk under the sun. That is, basically, things are going well for the nation. They're thrilled with their new king. However, Solomon, as he addresses himself as the preacher in this book, insinuates that this promising time will not last. Even though it looks great, it's not going to last. Even the young king will let the glory get to his head, too, and flattery. It will change him. He, too, will become corrupt. And those in the next generation will forget all about him. Even if he did stay a good king, even if he doesn't get corrupt, the truth is the next generation will forget about him. The next generation will move on, and his honor is short-lived. I think the lessons that he is trying to make clear are the one are the are, are there, I believe there's just a couple of them that he's trying to make clear in this text and those are what I want to focus on today and those are three of those if you want to write those down number one better is not based on position but on character number two better is not based on the outward and number three, and the key to all this, it's better to chase after God than it is glory. So let's look at these here this evening. Number one, it's better is not based on position, but character. 
Altogether in this chapter, the word better is used four times. Um, going back to verse 3, verse 6, with better is a handful, um, 2 is better than 1, verse 9, and then we finish up with the fourth time right here in our text. Better is a poor and wise child or a young man than a king who is foolish. He brings up an important, a, a very important point when you think about it in, that, in those first couple of verses. You see, we tend to focus and, and put honor on position. That's what we think is better. The king would be better than the servant. The teacher would be better than the janitor. The, the chief is better than the worker. The professor is better than the, 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 uh, uh, a construction worker. We put weight in our culture based on position. That's what Solomon is looking at, how people look at the position. And they put weight into that. But what we see is much more important is not the position, it's the character with whatever position that you're in. What is most important is not the position that you hold. It's how you use what you have been given in life wherever you're at. Understand this. Even when we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at the judgment seat of Christ, God will not reward you based upon position. He will reward you based upon character in whatever position you hold. God rewards faithfulness with what he has committed into your hand. Again, you can think back to uh, um, the truth of John the Baptist. Not being, as the word of God tells us, Jesus said there's not been a greater born of woman than John the Baptist. Yet John did no miracle. He preached and preached and preached and preached. He stayed faithful with what he did. Yet Christ said there's not a, a, a greater born among women than John the Baptist. Why? He stayed faithful to the position that was given to him as the forerunner. He never got off track. He never got off target. He stayed faithful until the day of his death. God, when God judges us, it will not be based on what position. In other words, uh, uh, we're, we're Mike Moffat's sitting back there. Mike Moffat has looked after the security of this church, and that's why we're in such a mess. Not at all. He's always done a great job with it. We stand before heaven. We're gonna, both of us will be, will be uh, as we stand before the Lord, we'll be rewarded. I'll be rewarded based on my faithfulness and my position as a pastor, just like he'll be rewarded based on his position that God has given him here in this church. That's true also where you work in the secular sense. God will look at your character with where you are at at work. That's why, one of the reasons, by the way, I thought it was easy to succeed as a Christian in the secular field. It just wasn't hard, just because there were so many people that the only time they actually demonstrated honor and character was when the boss was present. Remove that, and all of a sudden it was, whatever goes, goes. And we learn from here a danger. There's a danger that comes when the position is elevated. There's a danger that comes when you stand in a greater position in society. When you are given more responsibility. You can think of the warning that James gave us. We won't turn there for time's sake. But James said, be not many masters, knowing we shall receive the greater condemnation. The word means teacher. He is saying, 
We need to use great caution for those who are teachers of the Word of God, knowing you're putting yourself at a greater level of accountability. So therefore, those who are teachers, you're not greater because of your position, but you are held to a greater accountability because of your position. We have to be faithful with what God has given us to do. There's another danger, though, when you're put in an elevated position based on the society or the culture. And that is you have to look out for pride to come in. Which is what Solomon was dealing with here in this text. That because of the position that he had, pride came in. The king in our text was stubborn, refusing to heed counsel. Pride, do you know who I am? I am the king. What I say goes. Boy, listen, always make sure you're in a place of humility and meekness that you can receive counsel. Because of his position, the king was so lofty, he forgot who he was. If you're in a high position, don't forget who you really are. Don't be like this foolish king and think you can go it alone because you can't. There there was even an example when I was going over this message uh, um, this afternoon. um, There was, I don't know if you saw the news clip dealing with Elon Musk. And the, the point of the news clip was, it was, wasn't like a full documentary, but the, the short story was a, just a small uh, uh, portion of a documentary on his life. And they were taking one small angle, and it was fascinating. And I, I can't remember the title, I want to look it up, I think it was The Secret to His Success. And they dealt with this man who, with all the success that he had, that he has a measure of humility and meekness. And they went back years ago to him being interviewed out by his rockets. I don't know what they were looking at. I didn't catch all that in context. I did catch the main point of it was just a reporter. He's not nearly of the intelligence of Elon Musk. He hasn't built, he's a reporter. That's all he is. He simply asked him the question. And he noticed something about what Elon had said. And he just simply pointed out, wouldn't it be better if you were to do... And he mentioned something with the fuel in the process. Wouldn't that be better? And you see Elon stop and he said, huh. You know, that might be better. And you know what he did? He changed it. So several years later, he's being asked about that change. And he refers back to that reporter. He said, I was being interviewed. He said, a reporter brought it up. And he said, I never thought about it until he asked that question. And he goes, and I knew it. He's right. That would be a whole lot better. Know what he never allowed to get in his way? Pride. Pride. There's so often that you're in an elevated position that you can think that because of the position, you're better. You've got to be careful. Pride will come in. Pride will come in. The king thought too highly of himself. See, the truth is, position can change your perspective on who you really are. You want to stay humble and meek before the Lord. The truth is, all of us are sinners saved by grace. We have different backgrounds, different experiences, but it all comes down to this. We are all sinners saved by grace. Number two, it's better not to make decisions looking on the outward. 
Out of the prison he cometh to reign. Whereas also he that is born in his kingdom becometh poor. Here comes this man in this, in this parable that Solomon is giving to be the next king. He was in prison. Humble beginnings. I wonder if Solomon did not even have Joseph in mind when he was penning this in. When Joseph, of course, goes from being in prison to uh, um, literally the prime minister of the world's greatest empire of the day. Overnight. Instantly. No one up until that point would have guessed that Joseph would be the prime minister of the world power. Not his own family, not his own nation, no one certainly in Egypt. But from that humble place, God honored. How about Daniel? Staying faithful when he was taken captive, put it into Nebuchadnezzar's university and still staying true, still making his life all about God, even in that difficult place. And being taken from such humble captivity where he would serve for prime minister for two to three world powers. A classic example of the danger of only looking on the outward was Samuel when he had to go anoint the next king. He head to Jesse's house. One of his boys. So Samuel goes there. You all know it. He sees the oldest and, oh, this is it. Look at this guy. This guy is kingly material. Nope, that's not him. And he goes right on down the line. He's like, okay, there's none of them. Do you have any more? Well, there's David. It, surely it's not him. He's ruddy. It's, it's not David. Well, send for him. I do like, I do, I, my favorite portion when I read that, though, is where Samuel says this. Obviously, it's the last son, so Samuel's pretty well aware. This is going to be it, even though he's never met David yet. And he says this, I will not sit down until he gets here. It's pretty neat. There's a lot of, we can make certain applications from that because our king is coming and we should be active. So, of course, David comes and sure enough, it's David. What a great example of not simply just judging on the outward. How God over and over will take those from such humble beginnings and bless. You could think of, of, we can think of examples right from the church when Pastor Roach started this church. Wasn't too many people going back to 1977 in, well, he might have been in college by then, 76, 77, in between there, at the Grafton Road Baptist Church, that would have thought, that guy's going to make, gonna, he's going to make a great missionary in Alaska. Not too many people would have guessed that. I mean, here's a guy with, at the time, very limited education, just having now, now just trying to turn from smoking, drinking, everything. All that he experienced, Vietnam and whatnot. There's not too many people who have said that's the one. They, they would have picked somebody else. But so often, God looks for those from the humble beginnings. <clears throat> Again, I remember writing a... My first experience, even though we were still going to Catholic Church at the time when I was very little, was riding a church bus. Again, you've heard me tell the story, the Pink Panther was my bus. They didn't do it by numbers, they did it by, that was a great idea back then for lost kids, to go by cartoon characters. I, never heard, I still know what bus I had that day. 
but to get on there and head to church. But there's not too many people that would have guessed when they went into this nasty little apartment complex to pick up kids. That the one getting on, I had pretty shaggy long hair. I, I will never show a picture from my first and second grade. I mean, it was just, I don't think barbers existed then. I don't know what it was. But when he got on the bus and thought, you know what? He's going to be a missionary in New Guinea one day. He's going to be a pastor one day. Nobody would have guessed that. Not one. I mean, I even doubted it myself. I remember even after I started serving God and came to know the Lord, trying to preach and saying, I will never, ever do that again because it was the biggest failure of all preachers I've ever had. I couldn't stand to speak before others. Again, I've used him as an example before in this regard, but, you know, I think had you met Gregor on 1993, 1994, coming into this church, I don't think you would have guessed he'd be head deacon of the Independent Baptist Church of Anchorage. I'm still not sure how that happened. That was already in place when I got here. I just didn't want to make that change. (laughs) Now, why am I bringing those examples up? Listen to me. That helps us with things like our bus ministry. You don't know who's stepping on that bus. You don't know the one that the Lord's going to begin to work with. By the way, that's the why, as, as far as like even our bus workers in here, Brother Martin, it's, it's one of the reasons why I'm actually so big. I'm limited activities and games just, just for motive behind it. I want the one who wants it. The one, the one who wants to make it about the Lord. The one that does, that the Lord's hand is on, that is coming from such humble beginnings, but gets it. Listen, when they come in here, one of those might be one of the next great pastors in Alaska. One of those might be one of the next great missionaries over into Europe. And they're entrusted to our care. So when you see them come in next Sunday, understand this. You might be, those little kids that are fighting and running back and forth, you might be looking at at a pastor in 20 years. Just like, where's where's Mitch yet? Are you in church, Mitch? He's all the way in the back there. Man, alive. Got my assistant all the way in the back of the church. I don't think there's too many when you're a teenager, from what I understand, that would have guessed that you'd be the assistant pastor of this church one day. I still, remember the, I still remember all the looks when I announced it, brother. <laughs> but listen, this can also keep yourself down. Because you doubt yourself. You think God can't use me. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're the one that God wants to use. You're the one that God wants to reach down and do something with your life because you're from that humble and meek place and you realize, listen, God wouldn't want to use me. You're wrong. He would. Don't make decisions simply based on the outward. Moses was an example of a man who almost missed the will of God because he doubted himself. Lord, I can't do this. I can I can hardly speak. Moses, who made your tongue? Hello, look who you're talking to. The bush is burning and it's not even consumed. You might think God can't use me. Yes, He can. 
Yes, he can. If you'll humbly give yourself to him. Do you know what he specializes in? Changing people. And usually the ones who easily recognize their faults and their downfalls, those are the ones usually the Lord can change the easiest. And thirdly, it's better to chase after God than after glory. 15 and 16, the other king comes into power. The, uh, the other king is disposed or died, whatever the situation is. It doesn't matter. The point was, the new generation will... At first, everything's great. It's just wonderful. But a new generation comes up and they don't even know who you are. Just like I said, you realize that 100 years from now, nobody's going to know who any of us are in this building. Nobody's going nobody's to off the top of their head if this is still, hopefully, hopefully it's still, in, if the Lord hasn't returned yet, hopefully this is still an independent, fundamental Baptist church that hasn't changed, it hasn't compromised with the world like we're seeing just left and right, left and right, that is just simply staying true to honor God above all else. But even if that's true, they're not going to know who we are. They're not. I believe this third point is the primary application of the text. That's the thread throughout the verses, that it's better to seek after God and not after glory. There are two things that can really grab a person and begin to control their life and take over their heart. One is earlier in this chapter as well as in several other other places that are already given in the book and throughout the Word of God, and that is greed. Living to get rich, comfortable. Solomon has already demonstrated time and time again and expressing from, this, from his old age how he's trying to let everybody know, listen, that is vanity, that is vanity. One of the worst things that's come about is this idea that we just live till we're 60 and then it's just, we just do nothing. What are you thinking? Life is about the Creator. It's about God. Use all the time He's given you for Him. The second thing that can grab a heart isn't necessarily living for greed to get comfortable and wealth. It's living for glory. Living for a name. Wanting the, the, the adulation, the admiration. Wanting to be praised. Wanting to be king. He says, listen, this is vanity. This is vanity. The end is all vanity. I mean, Solomon, Solomon is dealing with the highest position of the land. A king. And he said, listen, in a generation, they're not going to care about you. Understand what it's about. Live for eternity. Not now. Don't live for your own praise. The end is vanity. In the text, the new king comes to power. He is lifted up. He is praised. The people rejoice. The people are so happy. But again, it's all vanity. Because he too will be replaced and forgotten. 
people can forget quickly, can't they? They can. I mean, think when Christ entered Jerusalem. What's everybody doing? Shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna! I mean, they're just thrilled that he's there. Blessed is he who cometh in the name of the Lord! A couple of days later, crucify him! Change like that. And that happens. And you have to expect that, by the way, in life. That's why a lot of people make too many changes, whether it's job, career, everything else. There's difficult times. You stick it out and you persevere. Even a pastor who lives for his church and the praise of, of the people um, will be most miserable. The honeymoon time will end. Problems will arise. And what he wants to do then? I'm just going to find a new church. Because the real reason why he was there, that need is no longer being met. He just wants to move on. The fact is, all of us here can be replaced by the Lord like that. The Lord has no problem. He's not looking at any one of us, from me on down, thinking, man, I'd have a hard time replacing him. No, he wouldn't. Not at all. Remember that. That will help keep you humble. Don't live for what is vanity. Live for what matters, and that is God. Seek Him. It is pure vanity when you choose to live for self-glory. To our young people here, to our teenagers, young adults, don't, don't base decisions that you're going to make on your life on what you think will bring you the most glory or honor. Base your decisions on what will bring the most glory and honor unto God. Make the decision to live for Him. In whatever direction He takes you, so be it. So be it. Even in the day we live in, we have to be careful of things like social media. They can, flee, they can really feed that fleshly desire to seek praise. You find yourself doing everything, trying to live on the social media just so you can get the praise of men, the different likes. You're living for vanity, wasting your life. Listen, you know what's amazing about God? This, this one thing I love. When no one else sees what I do, He does. When no one else sees, He knows. He knows. I, I don't have to come up here and announce it. I don't have to go to Jerry. Jerry, I want you to know what happened this week. All right? I want to raise. I don't have to do any of that. God knows everything. I mean, there's, not, there's nothing I have to go, God, did, did you see that? Nothing. And if I did that anyhow, he would just say, you do know it's all of me anyhow. Just stay humble, stay serving. You should chase God and not glory. It doesn't matter if you are in ministry 
whether you're a doctor, a plumber, work at the airport, work in an office, a policeman, stay-at-home mom, your life's decision, whatever direction the Lord has taken you, is to make it all about Him. To make it about Him. For your job and praying for wisdom, not necessarily that you could be promoted. Promotions of the Lord, you can trust. There's nothing wrong with, with ha- having that desire to be promoted. Don't get me wrong, but you trust the Lord with that. What you put first is to honor God. Seek Him. Make your life... A, that'll make work so much easier, by the way. When you have another purpose in it, when that alarm clock goes off on Monday morning, isn't that annoying? But to know, this is a day the Lord hath made. I have a day right now. I have my health. I have my strength. I am heading out, and I will honor God. Make it about Him. What you chase after is God. Not gold, not glory, God. With heads bowed and eyes closed.